The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents a 25th Silver Anniversary College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, here's your host, Phil Houck. Good evening, Mr. Cohn. Since you were abruptly removed from Mission Hokey two hours ago, another less experienced agent by the name of Buckner took over and valiantly fought for the cause. Ultimately, however, the initiative was lost, and Buckner has suffered a debilitating physical injury. IMF is now compelled to beckon you to return to the service of Our Lady's University under what are now desperate circumstances. Your mission, Jack Cohn, and you have no choice but to accept it, is to re-enter the game deep behind enemy lines. The Hokie Stadium environment is toxic, and the fog of war has accelerated to an unprecedented level of mayhem. There are four minutes left on the clock, and we trail by eight points. To assist you in your mission, you have been assigned four reliable agents, codenamed Chiron, Avery, Austin, and Dorer. Unfortunately, you will have to make a go of it without the assistance of two of your most trusted operatives from the past, Mayer and Tyree, who, like Buckner, have been lost in the field of battle. As always, should you fail in your mission, you and the head of IMF, Brian Kelly, will, as usual, be subject to widespread criticism and ridicule. If you are able to succeed, and of course we have the utmost confidence in you, you will be universally loved and held in high esteem for about 20 minutes. Good luck, Jack. Notre Dame Nation is counting on you. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Last week, after having started the game but then being benched due to his ineffectiveness, Jack Cohn returned with four minutes left and the Irish down by eight points. And he turned Mission Impossible into Mission Accomplished. And Notre Dame is 5-1. and one. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, Senior Editor of IrishIllustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Flight by Yingling. Raise the bar with only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Shearer McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Shearer McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Shearer McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Shearer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. 
Sheer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Shearer McCulloch. Introducing Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling, now available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. This is Steve Brailsford, working as studio producer with Phil and Tim for 15 years, drove me to an early retirement in Florida, which is funny because I'm not actually retired. Congratulations on 25 years on the air. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Tim Priester, there is no reason to beat around the bush, so I'm going to go there first. Let's talk quarterbacks. First of all, why was Jack Cohn so effective, or I should say ineffective, in the first quarter and then unstoppable in the fourth quarter? Explain that to me. I don't know I have a, that I have a full explanation for that, Phil. I, you know, I think a lot of times, well, first of all, it's a really, really difficult environment to play in. And, and uh, you know, you open a game, there's a lot of emotions. You don't have things working perfectly on the offensive line, although, although they certainly got better as the game went on. Uh, but but you know I thought that uh, you know I thought the the quickness with which they ran their offense and it's just step 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 throw for Jack Cohen I think he benefited from that he was accurate and uh, and some guys made some plays for him so I you know rarely do you see a game where one quarterback starts and he's bad his substitute comes in and he's really good then he's really bad and then the guy that started comes in and is really good. I, it's a, it was an incredible roller coaster performance for Notre Dame's quarterbacks, but Jack Cohn stepped forward uh, exactly when he had to. Yeah, and as we talked about, uh, you didn't, I didn't talk about it, but as uh, anyone who listens to this uh, show will know, we uh, believe that Jack Cohn executed Mission Impossible, uh, and. Of course, the popular choice, and this part really confused me last week, the popular choice at quarterback for Notre Dame Nation, Drew Pine. Tim, I didn't even see Drew Pine on the sidelines. Was Is he that far down? Did he ever get consideration for being put in this game? Well, it's, it's weird because on one hand, he's 1A at quarterback. Uh, on the other hand, they really like what Buckner does for the running game, and and, and they absolutely need that, uh, considering how much they've struggled running the football. They had to give him a larger package. Tommy Reese, I thought, did a really, really nice job of mixing up formations and personnel and the various plays that allowed not only him to have some success, but I think to open up the running game as well. Now, you're playing a good defense. You're a young quarterback. They do some things a little bit differently in terms of coverages and he struggles. That's just good. That's the nature of a freshman quarterback in an environment like that. You know, I really thought that what Tyler Buckner uh, did in the first half would be adjusted to at halftime. Sure enough, it, it was, so things changed. But there's something else about Tyler Buckner, and we know how tremendously talented he is, and he's shown some things well. And he's also shown that he can pass the ball, but he makes mistakes. I'm actually a little surprised that he's making such basic mistakes in the passing game. Does that surprise you? It does, but I, I know that there has been a struggle with finding the release point, and and you know various passes require 
different release points. I think when he's tight and over the top and quick with it, he's really good. I think when the ball slides down a little bit, for example, he was rolling to his right and he had Logan Diggs wide open over the middle and missed him badly on his second interception. Those are plays that, you know, I just don't think that he has completely adapted to the the various release points that he needs. Does it surprise me? Yeah, it surprises me a little bit, especially a throw like that. But, um, you know, we kind of knew coming into Notre Dame that he had some release point issues. We saw it over the course of the summer and various camps where he changes his throwing motion sometimes. Release point issues, and he actually isn't very experienced at playing the position. I think it's uh, he hasn't he didn't play his senior year, for example, in high school. So uh, he just needs a little more experience. I think he's going to be a really good one. Uh, but moving forward, Tim, how does Brian Kelly manage the quarterback situation? Is it a combination typically of Cone and Buckner? Yeah, I think he manages it a lot easier than we manage it on the outside trying to coach for him. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Jack Cone remains the starter, starter, especially with USC coming up, which is – really been uh, relenting when it comes to uh, uh, defending opposing passing games. But I don't think it's that difficult for Brian Kelly. Now Now that Tyler Buckner has played a little bit and has thrown the ball around a little bit with some success, I think they're even more inclined to go to him. And this is not a season where I don't think any one of those three is going to be in a position where they, they cover everything that they feel needs to be covered by the quarterback position it's just going to have to be a timeshare and that's difficult for a coaching staff from week to week but they're just it's you know you play players at the various players at other positions uh this one's a little bit more more difficult to do that but i think they're in a position where that's exactly what they're going to have to do moving forward well and maybe it's also difficult for the other side to prepare for because they've got Two different styles, definitely, between uh, Buckner and Cohn. Uh, Tim, another thing about the game. This was a chippy game. I mean, it was a crazy, toxic atmosphere, as I described it in one article I wrote this week, almost targeting penalties, trash-talking, personal fouls. And, Tim, those Notre Dame boys, you can see it on a broadcast, they really play with some attitude out on the field. And Kyle Hamilton is is one of those guys. What are your thoughts about the chippiness of this game? And do you have any insights into what happened between the two teams as they were leaving the field? No, we didn't get an opportunity to talk to Brian Kelly this week because of the bye week, so not exactly sure. Uh, you know, I, I, when you talk about chippiness, I mean, the, the two most vocal players on the Notre Dame team are two of their best players, it's Kyle Hamilton and Kyron Williams. And, you know, times have changed, Phil. We, we all remember the times at Notre Dame where that wouldn't necessarily be accepted. Although you certainly go back to the 1988 national championship team. There was a lot of confident guys there, especially on defense that weren't afraid to, to share their, uh, their opinions with the opposition. So uh, that's just the nature of the game today. I, I think it works for this Notre Dame football team. There aren't a lot of players like that across the roster on the depth chart, but uh, they do have a couple outspoken ones. And frankly, both of those guys will likely be gone next year. So you need some of that energy and somebody to replace that swagger that those two carry onto the field. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton and Kyron Williams, both swagger is a great word to describe their style of play on the field. And, you know, those two guys can back it up so you can get away with that. And then there was Brian Kelly's post-game performance. The word I had used in an article, I said I called it glib, but I don't think that was quite a- accurate. I think the word is feisty, talking about Ouija boards and Mariano Rivera and 
saying he expected negative articles to be written by the media, but he didn't care. Tim, to me, Brian Kelly looked exhausted, but in a relieved way. But he may be harboring just a little attitude himself, kind of like a couple of his players. What did you think of that performance? I, you know, I think glib's an accurate word. Feisty certainly is a word, too. There were, there was no doubt that, that there was a sense of relief on his part upon the completion of a six-game stretch knowing that a bye week was was coming up. And, you know, I don't know exactly. He, he was talking about the media. I think there are very limited media outlets that have criticized the, the Jack Cohn decision. It's mainly been a fan-driven opinion there. Um, but I would imagine there are some media outlets there that ha- have been tough on him. I, I think, you know, think about it, Phil. I mean, you've got, you've got Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly juggling three quarterbacks, all three of which have led them to victories. It's hard enough to get one guy to do that, let alone three. So some good things have been done there. And, and you know, he gets, a, he gets rabbit ears and gets a little sensitive at times. But you can imagine – the relief he had, and especially after losing to Cincinnati and playing uh, and coaching really as, as poorly as they did, he had to feel pretty good at that moment to be 5-1 and one, going into a very difficult place to, to play and win, which I think a lot of times is underestimated. Well, I think rabbit ears might be a good way to describe that. Uh, and, and to anyone who hasn't seen it, I would suggest you go look for a link uh, – you can go on my website, or uh, there, it's out there. But look for a link to the press conference. It's a very entertaining 13 minutes. Okay, part and parcel of that quarterback situation we talked about, the offensive line, and, and the play of the offensive line was probably the best it's been all season long, and that's obviously a real positive. Irish rushed for a season-high 180 yards, uh, and for the second straight game, they only gave up two sacks. Tim, those numbers are not great but they certainly are okay, pretty good, and they indicate progress. Relatively, they are great. Tim, have the Irish found a formula moving forward to fix this thing, and what is that formula? Well, they found a formula for Virginia Tech, and, that, and that's not it's not a great defensive front, but it's a very good one. So, I, I mean, I don't want to say that they found a formula yet because most of what they did on, on the ground running the football – was predicated about uh, predicated upon Tyler Butner being in the game, and we, we presume that Jack Cohn will once again be the starter and get the bulk of the reps. So they still have to prove that they can do some things uh, with Jack Cohn at quarterbacks, do some things in the running game with Jack Cohn at quarterback, not him uh, personally. But I, you know, Joe Alt at left tackle, he started, and then Andrew Kristoffic replaced Zeke Corral at left guard. I thought that they did a really nice job of playing in tandem, and as the game wore on they got more and more pushed with the rest of the offensive line so it it hints that it, they found the formula let's see if they can build upon it i think usc is a team that uh, there's plenty of give defensively mainly through the air but there's still plenty of give i think between the defensive ends to run the football but it's a good start and a big step forward definitely a step forward and uh, the challenges get perhaps just a little easier moving forward. I think they've seen their toughest defensive line so far. Tim Kyron Williams goes for 81, uh, but Chris Tyree comes up with turf toe issue. So next man up, where was Sebo? But then talk about Logan Diggs, the freshman, because he played very well, very poised in a tough situation. Well, as far as Sebo Flemister, there must be another issue. Otherwise, he would have traveled um, to, to Virginia Tech. Logan Diggs, I thought, Looked very comfortable. He didn't seem out of his element. The moment wasn't too big for him. He had 
a handful of carries and, and showed some of that shiftiness. In fact, he came really close to a seven-yard touchdown run, but just got tripped up. But I thought he looked comfortable. He caught a pass, a significant, very key 15-yard pass in part of the comeback. So that was, that's really promising. If you, As a true freshman, that's, that, that is the first time he's been in the offensive backfield for Notre Dame. Uh, in that environment, I thought he did a heck of a job. I think he's somebody that you can look forward to seeing more of, especially if Chris Tyree's uh, turf toe continues to linger. Yeah, that's that's the type of injury you never know how long it's going to last. Uh, but it was great to see Logan Diggs out there playing so well. Tim, next week I think we'll probably on the show go over some of your midterm grades, and I know you've been writing about those this week. Uh, but today let's give a couple of midterm awards, quick hit style. First of all, who, who do you say has been the best freshman so far for the Irish? I think it's a, it's a toss up between two guys. I'll save one for for uh, another category, but I, you know, it's what Tyler Buckner did uh, on Saturday in that environment. I, I know he ended up stumbling, but they don't win that football game if he doesn't come in and and lead them to twenty one points in about a twenty minute span on the clock. So I would say Tyler Buckner, and he did some great things in the running game earlier. They just haven't exposed him to uh, some aspects of the passing game that I think we'll see expand as they move forward he's going to be a good one biggest surprise player on defense i would say two guys i I, i'm not completely shocked at their success but they clearly have established themselves as quality players and that's jd bertrand we knew he could make plays but he's a leading tackle i think he's ninth or 11th in the country in tackles so that's a bit of a surprise and we also knew that northern coaching staff is very high on cornerback cam hart um, and he really stepped forward when they got to uh, when they they, they uh, played Wisconsin in Chicago, and I think has continued that. He missed a tackle against Virginia Tech, but that's going to happen. So those would be my two guys. I don't know if there's so much a surprise, but they have really stepped forward as big time players now. Yeah, they were question marks, but no longer are they question marks. And same question on the offensive side of the ball and. Tim, this could be a negative if you want to, too. Go ahead. Who's who's the well, biggest surprise on offense? Yeah, well, I mean, I hate a to be negative. Surpri- <laughs> yeah, I, I would say a little surprised that the guard play has been as poor as it has been, and Josh Luggett right tackle start out slowly. But to look at it positively, they've started four different uh, linemen at left tackle, two of which are freshmen. I think we knew that Blake Fisher was going to be good right from the outset, but Joel Alt became the fourth starter at left tackle. And he's just pretty darn good, you know. I mean, he's the son of uh, of uh, John Alt, longtime NFL player, uh, and and he is really they liked him. Notre Dame liked him coming in when they recruited him. He was a three star guy, and he only weighed two forty, but he's really beefed up. And he's you know he's a technician. He knows how to play the the position. I like his activity with his hands. I think Joe Alt is uh, is going to be a really, really good offensive lineman for Notre Dame. Left tackle or right tackle, depending upon what happens when Blake Fisher comes back next year. We won't see Blake Fisher this year. Yeah, and you know, when I uh, first laid eyes on Joe Alt back in early August at the first practice that was open to the media, I looked at him and I go, oh, well, who's that guy? Because he caught my eye immediately. He's a mountain of a man. Great pedigree, as you said, and I've been real impressed by his play 
so far. Tim, uh, just one last quick hit. I do want to talk about recruiting. Uh, and bye weeks are always big for recruiting. I don't know how they even run practices because I know the assistants and Brian Kelly literally are spread around the country from sea to shining sea. Uh, early signing day is coming up in late December. How is the 2022 class shaping up for the Irish? They've done a really nice job. I mean, and most of this groundwork was done months and months ago. Most of the recruiting they're doing now is actually for 2023 with maybe one or two st- spots still available in the 2022 class. But defensively, Marcus Freeman came in and they immediately landed some big name players, Jalen Sneed, an outside linebacker, defensive end type uh Neo Afutui Alamaka is a linebacker from California, very uh, Mike linebacker, strong linebacker. They've done really well at linebacker. Two outstanding receivers in CJ Williams and Tobias Merriweather, and they've done a pretty nice job along the offensive line. So it's been a good class. Even guys like Jadarian Price, a running back that committed early, he's really stepped up his senior year. This, this class is currently on 24-7 rated fifth overall. They've got 15 four-star commitments and six three-star commitments. It's interesting to note that the teams that are rated ahead of the Irish, Irish at fifth, fourth is Texas, third is Georgia, number two is Penn State, and number one is Alabama. And, folks, if you're interested in this recruiting game, uh, credit go to Irish Illustrated, Tom Loy and Kevin Sinclair, incredible daily coverage of the recruiting game. Uh, I've been able to spend some time with Loy this season up in the press box, and his knowledge and network of contacts is amazing. IrishIllustrated.com. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 361st edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Introducing Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling, now available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. The Irish have won 36 straight games against unranked opponents. That is the longest such streak in the FBS. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The Irish are on a bye this week. Next week, they play the Men of Troy, USC at home. Kickoff for that game will be at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. TV coverage, of course, on NBC. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Cage. Chris Craft, Master Craft, and Premier Pontoons, we share your boating passion. And this year, in honor of 25 years on the air, we are focusing on the great running backs of the Fighting Irish preview years, the last quarter century. So far this season, we've honored Autry Denson, Julius Jones, Ryan Grant, Darius Walker, Armando Allen, and this week, Theo Riddick. 
The football field at Immaculata High School in New Jersey is named after this week's all-time Irish hero because it was on that field that is now known as Theoretic Field that an explosive running back plied his trade to the tune of over 4,000 yards rushing and 52 touchdowns. Those numbers earned the young star an invitation from Charlie Weiss in 2009 to play for the Fighting Irish. As a freshman, Riddick saw action primarily on special teams and was the team's lead kick returner. Then, 2010 saw a change at the top of the program with Brian Kelly coming to town, and among the changes Kelly implemented was a move of Riddick to slot receiver, a place he would stay for two seasons. Despite missing several games to injury in that sophomore season, he finished second on the team to Michael Floyd in receiving with 40 catches. As a junior, he produced another 38 catches and finished third on the team to Floyd and to Tyler Eifert as he continued to perfect his pass receiving skills. In 2012, he was moved back to his natural position running back and Riddick responded with a memorable year. As Notre Dame went on an undefeated run to the BCS championship game, Riddick was a key player with 917 yards rushing and another 370 yards receiving and seven touchdowns. In Notre Dame's big win at Oklahoma that year, Riddick contributed a 15-yard touchdown run to put the game on ice in the fourth quarter, and he followed that effort up with a 146-yard day and a TD to close out an undefeated regular season at USC. Retired just last summer, Riddick went on to a productive seven-year NFL career, primarily with the Detroit Lions. Not surprisingly, considering that his collegiate background, he made his professional mark primarily as an outstanding pass receiver out of the backfield. Tim, Theo Riddick could catch and run, and he played a big role in that 2012 run to the BCS championship game. He's the epitome of the, the, the combo skill position player because I really don't know which position he was better at. I know running back was more natural to him, and that's what he did coming out of high school. But when Brian Kelly moved him to the slot, he was just as effective. ton of respect for him. He was open to changes. Um, you know, and that's a pretty drastic change when you've been a running back your whole life, but he was open to it. And then he goes on and has – really a, 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 an outstanding uh, NFL career, not necessarily huge numbers, just longevity and the productivity that he offered uh, the, the Detroit Lions. A lot of respect for Theo Riddick, a true combo skill position player for Notre Dame. Yeah, in 2015 with the Detroit Lions, Riddick caught 80 passes out of the backfield, good for 697 yards. Both those marks are Detroit Lion franchise records. Theo Riddick, another Marina at Lake Gage, all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage early line on USC, who the Irish will play next week after this week's bye. Like the Irish, the 3-3 three and three Trojans are idle this week. Last week, they lost at home to Utah 42-26. They own wins over San Jose State, at Washington State, and at Colorado. Besides Utah, they have lost to Stanford by 14 and at Oregon State by 18. After the loss to Stanford, six-year head coach Clay Helton was fired. Dante Williams, who is serving as the defensive backs coach, is currently the interim head coach. The last time the Irish and the Trojans played was in 2019 when the Irish held on 
to win at home 30 to 27. Junior Keaton Slovis is a 64% passer with nine TDs and five interceptions on the season. Their best weapon is 6'5 junior Drake London, and he is a good one. He's having a big year with 64 catches, 832 yards, and five touchdowns. USC boasts a talented front seven on defense, and junior linebacker Drake Jackson may be the best of them. He leads the team with three sacks. Better offensively overall than defensively, Tim, but this is not your father's USC team, but they do have plenty of talented players. What is the Aspen Mortgage early line on USC? They still have plenty of talented players. You know, offensively, they're capable of putting up a lot of points. Drake London is really undefendable because if you if you, if you you play zone against him, he's going to find the seam in. And if you play man against him, he's definitely going to beat that. He's pretty unstoppable. You know, you've got to put pressure on Keaton Slovis. There's one thing that he's proven in his career, that if he has time to throw, he can be dangerous. So Notre Dame... What what's tricky here is that Notre Dame is probably going to have to score a few bit, few more points than they're accustomed to scoring because USC is capable of doing that. But USC is also undisciplined, tons of penalties. You can throw the football against them. I think you can run up the middle on them as well. Okay, well that'll be interesting, and of course we will go more in depth next week on the USC Trojans. And, and Tim Priester, it's a bye week, so um, it's the field is wide open. Pick an Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish this week. Phil, I'm going to talk about Myron Tagovailoa mostly because I think he's had a very a real quality first half of the 2021 season. He moved from defensive tackle to defensive end. I think he's a force out there. He leads the team in quarterback hurries. You know, as a defensive end, it's not always the plays that you make. It's the plays that you prevent. And I think Myron Tagovailoa-Mosa is doing a really excellent job of that. You pair him up with with Isaiah Foskey. Nordames had really good defensive end play in recent years, and I think they're still getting that with Foskey and MTA. Yeah, they are. And uh, next stop for MTA after the season, the NFL. And he is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week, Myron Tagovailoa-Mosa. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the Injury Report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy, now with 21 Indiana locations. Tim, bye weeks, always come at a good time. Uh, And I think this one really did come at a good time, uh, almost historically. The Irish needed a week off because some bumps and bruises really mounting up. Where do the Irish stand health-wise? Well, I think the one that they're really keeping an eye on is Chris Tyree with the turf toe. They obviously need him back. Now that they found found Joe Alt to play left tackle, uh, Michael Carmody and Tosh Baker, the, the need for them to get back from injury isn't uh, as urgent as it was uh, in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, it's good that you're going to have probably need that depth again. They've started four different offensive tackles there, and uh, they're going to need that depth again. I, I I have heard, we haven't had this verified, but Notre Dame's been having trouble at tight end with injuries. Michael Mayer, they hope to have him back from an adductor injury. Uh, but also Kane Barong, who we saw in the game late against Virginia Tech, apparently suffered a knee injury. And they're hoping to get Kevin Ballman, the tight end that's been out since the first week, back here soon. So, uh, good time. You know, the coaches and players always say good time for the bye week. But Notre Dame was a little banged up, and it was a, certainly a good time to – uh, for the bye week to hit after six straight weeks. Well, I kept getting back during the game last week that how can the Irish uh, win this game with Michael Mayer out? 
completely. He's just like the ultimate security blanket, but they were able to do it, and we certainly hope he's back for USC. By the way, an interesting article on irishillustrated.com this week chronicling the 20 players, 20 players on this roster who have missed time already this season, including eight lost for the season. Uh, Thanks, Tim, and that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by Polypro. Beautiful, four times stronger than epoxy, lifetime warranty garage floors in one day. Check them out at polyprofloors.com. My wife and I love our PolyPro floor. Look them up on Facebook or go to polyprofloors.com. Tim Priester, for the prediction this week, let's go over the rest of the schedule and just give me a sense of how you feel uh, right now about each matchup. And I know you love predicting games five weeks in advance. So here we go. I'll give you just three choices. Likely win, likely loss, or toss-up. Next week against 3-3 three and three USC. Phil, you and I go back so far with the Nordame USC series. I, I don't think I can take anything for granted. I'm not sure I'm going to say likely loss in any of these six remaining games, but the way the first six games transpired, uh, I'm not going to say likely win too much. I'm certainly not going to say that with USC. I think it's a toss-up. I think Nordame is going to have to bring their offense for that game because it looks like another high-scoring game between Notre Dame and USC. Okay, USC game is a toss-up. Uh, then Halloween Eve, University of North Carolina, who is also 3-3. Three and three. And, Tim, before the season started, they were a top-10 team. Yeah, and they still have a high-powered offense with Sam Howell at quarterback. I know they lost their receivers and running backs, but downs their wide receivers, putting up huge numbers. The surprise for me is that they've been so poor defensively, and that's where Notre Dame has an advantage. But, again, this is a team – that is so capable of scoring points, I'm going to put that in the toss-up category. Okay, another toss-up in the second game against North Carolina. And the next game, the next weekend, will be at home, and that's against currently 1-4 Navy. Well, Navy has really struggled. Now, recently they gave Central Florida a heck of a game, and they came within seven points of SMU, who's still undefeated. Uh, I, I I still think that that's a likely win for Notre Dame, but Navy is is on the uptick a little bit here in the last three weeks. Well, Navy is never an easy out, as we well know, but we'll put that in the likely win category. And then November 13 at currently 4-2 and two, Virginia. Tim, this looks like a really tough game. Yeah, the six opponents, opponents remaining, they have the best record at 4-2. and two. They can throw it all over the yard. Their quarterback, Armstrong, he threw 61 passes against Louisville, and they overcame a 17-point deficit to win. So offensively, or at least through the air, they're really dangerous. They don't run it well, and defensively, it's kind of been a disaster, which is a little bit surprising because Bronco Mendenhall, the head coach, is 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 a defensive coach. I'm going to be especially... Because it's on the road, I'm going to keep that in the toss-up column. Okay, three toss-ups, one likely win. Uh, then back home November 20th against currently 3-3 three and three Georgia Tech. They've been playing young since last year with their skill position players on offense, so they can do some things there. But last home game of the year, Georgia Tech coming up to, here, uh, to Notre Dame Stadium. 
there's going to be a lot on the line for Notre Dame. I'm going to put that game in the likely win category. Okay, Georgia Tech, a team that's been uh, on the rise the last couple of years, but still a likely win for the Irish. And the regular season finale at Stanford, another team that stands at 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, this game is so far away. I mean, I, Stanford had really been on the uptick, and then Tanner McKee, their quarterback, who went into last week's game not having thrown an interception through three, so they uh, they lost to fall to three and three. I, you know, I think this is <laughs> this is kind of between likely win and toss up. I, I would put the I would put Virginia, USC, and North Carolina in toss up category. And I would put Stanford somewhere in between uh, those two categories, at least six weeks before Notre Dame has to play them. Well, since you couldn't give me a call, I'm going to put that in the toss-up category for purposes of statistical analysis. And there you have it. Tim Priester's world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction for the final six games. Four of those games are in the toss-up category. Two are likely wins. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish. And thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions.